Hello and thank you for tuning in. My name is Coach Pav and you are listening to Pavcast. Today I'm going to be talking about the basics of cycling training. Now this is an awesome topic and whether you think you know it all or not, I would strongly suggest you know checking this out. I've got some awesome information on um, on my website at coachpav.com and uh, definitely check it out even if it's just to see my retro um, old school uh, graphics, uh, my info infographics and even my uh, one of my original um, videos I produced. It's uh, it's, it's great, a trip down memory lane. None of us enter into this incredible sport with a thorough understanding of the basics of cycling training. Often we are fed confusing tidbits of information, bro science or even irrelevant anecdotal information. Yet, having a general understanding of why we train is fundamental to seeing improvements. Much like being told to focus on the muscle you're training in a gym, knowing what you're focusing on in cycling training will help improve your performance. Today I'm going to be focusing on the following points. How to train using zones, including which zone system you should use and zones versus percentage FTP. Understanding basic session structure, including my training pyramid. The basics of adaptation, including over or super compensation. Long-term cycling performance, including the ideal training and recovery cycle. And timing training around events, including how to taper. How to train using zones. Even if you're brand new to cycling, you have probably heard of training zones, perhaps at a school, at the gym, or from some other source. Most of these systems mentioned are based on heart rate because they aren't blessed with being able to train with a power meter, like cycling is. There are many different systems, not just heart rate and power, but there are many different heart rate zone systems and many different power zone systems too. The two main systems that I recommend are set to functional threshold power, or FTP, and maximum minute power, or MMP, and their heart rate equivalents. Training zones are specific ranges of percentages of functional threshold power, FTP, the estimation of the highest power that you could hold for one hour, or its HR equivalent, FTHR, or maximum minute power, or maximum minute heart rate. Training to power definitely beats training to heart rate, but it's not the end of the world if you don't use power. To set your zones, you will need to do some testing to identify your measures. FTP typically uses a ramp test or a 20 minute test, whereas MMP might use a 3 minute all out effort or a ramp test as well. The HR equivalents use similar tests. Once you have your measurements, you can use online resources and a calculator to identify what your training zones are, and then you can start training with them. For best results, when training with using your zones, you should train indoors. If you've ever used a power meter outside, you will know it can be really tricky to stick to a certain power range. Factors such as weather, terrain and traffic can make that hard. There's definitely a balance to be had though. I'm sure none of us started cycling just to train inside. Which zone system should you use? Well this might depend greatly on what software you are using. I strongly recommend taking a look at both Pillar and Training Peaks. Both of these tools currently use FTP or FTHR heavily. For this reason I'd recommend setting your zones to either FTP or FTHR. 
This will ensure that you don't need to make constant calculations. Somewhat sadly, theory and best practices on training are constantly changing and evolving. This might mean that this advice gets outdated. Don't worry, if you're a frequent visitor to my blog at coachpav.com, I'll be sure to keep this relevant page updated. Zones versus percentage of FTP. If you use Training Peaks, you might be familiar with the Workout Builder tool. I use this with all my training sessions as it provides my clients with a user-friendly way of completing them. When they export the training session to a device or software to complete, for example Zwift, TrainerRoad, Garmin or Wahoo devices, my clients can see exact power outputs, cadence targets and other useful information. With that in mind, almost all my sessions have a more specific power target to achieve as a percentage of their FTP. I find that this helps my clients stay more specifically to a target that will get the best adaptation for what they need. Of course, this might become more zone-focused when outside due to the challenges I mentioned earlier. What you choose is up to you, but unlike changing between different zone systems, switching between percentage of FTP and zones is much easier. This allows some flexibility in deciding which you prefer to train to. Understanding basic session structure. Now here, if you're not listening to this on my website and you're on, my, uh, and you're on iTunes or something like that, I strongly recommend that you either log into coachpav.com and find this relevant blog or uh, you do so later on. It's, uh, you're going to get a taste of some, some retro um, Pav Brian uh, marketing and uh, it's going to help as well. I'm going to explain it, but um, you're definitely having a visual aid is going to really benefit the, your understanding here. Understanding basic cycling session structure is going to really help you get used to training. Essentially, all this comes down to is the longer duration you spend on the bike, the lower the intensity will be. Partly because doing long hard rides will produce a lot of stress, which will take a longer time to recover from, and partly because your body just won't allow you to do it anyway. My training pyramid. Imagine a pyramid where the height of the pyramid is intensity and the base of the pyramid is the duration. Then the pyramid is made up of different zones, one obviously being at the bottom, and then whatever one you're using, whatever system you're using, the top zone can be six, seven sometimes, will be at the top. And in between will be the other numbers. Based on this, you can see that actually you have certain limiters in terms of intensity of each zone as well as duration. While these zones often do slightly bleed into each other, you can easily see that in order to become a better cyclist, you should spend some time increasing the length and height of your pyramid. In basic terms, you should spend some time building your base as well as your maximum power outputs. The basics of adaptation. Interestingly, the only way for you to actually become fitter is for you first to become fatigued. Stressing your body through training will lead to short-term fatigue which, once recovered from, will turn into fitness. Again, if you're on my website, you'll see another graph below about how this is exactly done. Imagine a horizontal straight line. This would be your baseline fitness if you did no training whatsoever. Then imagine doing a training session. Your actual or current fitness might actually drop below the baseline. This is called overload. And when you start to introduce recovery, you will see that line start to go back up again. Eventually, your body will overcompensate and produce an adaptation and your line will continue to go upwards. Of course, it gets more complicated the higher your baseline fitness goes. At first, you might be able to see cycling performance improvements from as little as a couple of rides per week. This would be where you allow that full recovery between rides, training, before adding more training-related stress. As your fitness increases, however, 
you will need to add more stress and structure the training so that you can recover well enough between sessions, but not so much that you get reversibility. Reversibility being when you don't do enough training and your fitness returns to baseline. The biggest challenge is that it typically takes your body between 14 to 21 days to show those adaptations. When you consider this, it is easy to see how allowing your body to recover fully is counterproductive as you'll end up seeing some, if not all, of your hard work disappear due to reversibility. If you're on my website, the next graph will show this in more detail. As you can probably imagine, there are going to be very many different ways in which you can introduce the stress. Imagine this horizontal line again, and then imagine doing too much work. You will find that your training and performance are actually less than where you started at the baseline fitness. Of course, your baseline will increase and decrease as you get fitter. So your baseline might actually be considered at the point before you've done an individual training session. Then imagine not doing quite enough training. You might see some tiredness and you might see your fitness decrease, but you want, your body won't have had enough stress to see a big enough increase above baseline. Ideally, you want to spend some time looking at your data in order to work out exactly how much stress your body adequately recovers from. Keeping a thorough diary will also help with this. Long-term cycling performance. The ideal training and recovery cycle. If you're on my website, the next graphic shows how the previous graphics join together and make the ideal training and recovery cycle. Consider what I've discussed so far. If you can imagine that you've got this wiggly line that drops down below a baseline and then hopefully boosts back above it. The ideal training and recovery cycle is when you're linking several of these together so that over the course of many weeks, months and even years, you will continue to see your fitness trend upwards, even if it does look like a wiggly line. This also helps you understand that on a day-to-day -day basis, you won't always be at your peak. There will be days where it feels like your pedaling is far more challenging. If you self-coach, this might take years of practice, trial and error and patience to get right. It's one of the main reasons why most people end up working with a coach. Some advice would be to ensure that you have lots of ways to benchmark your fitness. This will aid you in visualising that you are heading in the right direction. This can be easy if you have a power meter, but even without one, you can use time trials, heart rate tests, Strava segments, or visit a professional to get your performance assessed. Timing training around your events. As I mentioned before, you can't ride in peak condition all of the time, but you would definitely want to for your main events. If you imagine your wiggly line trending upwards, it's easy to visualise when you would want your events to be. But getting to that point can be challenging. This is why we taper. How to taper. A taper is a reduction in training volume and or intensity that a cyclist would do before their most important event to peak their physical fitness. For most people, this is between one to three weeks. However, it can be longer or shorter. It might be influenced by the amount of training you have been completing and for how long. Remember that your body needs 14 to 21 days to show adaptation, so your most important training is only realised before this time. The main idea of tapering is actually to rid your body of any residual fatigue. There are many different taper models, methodologies, whatever you want to call it, and uh, I recommend testing, uh, testing them out on easier weeks to, to figure out what is best for you. Finding out which taper model is best for you can be very tricky. And unless you have lots of previous data to look at, your only option is trial and error. Smaller events and testing can be used to do many tapers. 
The best time to do these are during recovery weeks, remembering that you won't get a full peak in fitness as often some reversibility happens with this. This is why we don't taper for every single event. And that's your lot. Thank you for tuning in. Um, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, make sure if you're on SoundCloud where this uh, podcast is hosted, you, you, give me a, you give me a like and subscribe. And if you're on the website, um, check out some of the, the other uh, information I've got on there. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, definitely check out that retro video. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So anyway, thank you all. And thanks for listening. And have a great day.